You're listening to A Prophet, a collaboration between Sakhlain and Al-Hujja Islamic Seminary. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider becoming our patron by donating at sakhlain.org support. So here's the treaty. Don't enter Mecca this year. Next year, you're welcome to come. That's fine. But now let's work on the terms of the truths. What are the conditions of the truths? So they finally agreed to a truce treaty with the following conditions. And the Prophet received revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanding him to make this treaty. So I will share with you now some major points in this treaty. Number one, for 10 years, some sources say three or four years, but many sources say for 10 years, there will be no fighting between Quraysh and Muslims. The Treaty of Hudaybiyah. So the Prophet agreed with Suhaid, who was representing Quraysh, let's stop warring for 10 years. Let there be peace on both sides for 10 years. That's the first term or the first condition. The second condition, let people feel safe and everyone has amnesty. No Muslim shall attack a mushrik, no mushrik shall attack a Muslim. Peace between everyone. Number three, this year the Prophet has to return to Medina, but next year he can come to Mecca and stay for only how many days? Three days. That's the third condition. The fourth condition, the Prophet next year would enter Mecca unarmed, without any arms, you know, swords for fighting or spears, except minimum arms, arms that a traveler would need on his way. But you would come not armed. The Prophet agreed. The fifth condition, this one was tough on Muslims. The Quraysh imposed this condition on the Prophet at the Sulh of Hudaybiyah. They said to him, if anyone from Mecca, from the non-Muslims, flees Mecca, and he comes to join the Prophet without their guardian's permission, the Prophet is obligated to send them back to Mecca. So let's say a Meccan became Muslim and he fled Mecca. He comes to the Prophet, Ya Rasulullah, Ashhadu Allah ilaha illallah, I bear witness that you're the Prophet that Allah has sent, I'm a Muslim, keep me here. The Prophet is now obligated to do what? Send him back, no. We made an agreement with the Quraysh. Now you can't join us, sorry. You have to go back to Mecca. But they stipulated that if a Muslim runs away from Medina and he comes to Mecca, he can stay. If a Muslim leaves Islam, he can stay. The Prophet agrees. The Muslims objected to this condition. They said, Subhanallah, ayyuktabu hadha? Is this possible? Ya Rasulullah, that you accept to this humiliating condition? How is it fair that if the mushrik comes to our lands, we have to send him back. But if a Muslim goes to their lands and he leaves Islam, he can stay there. That's not fair. Look at the response of the Prophet. Beautiful response, subhanAllah. The Prophet said, look, the Muslim who leaves Islam from our lands and he goes to shirk, Allah ma'a, as they say, Allah wiya, let him go. What do we want from him? This person has no faith, no iman. Why do you want to force him to stay? If someone apostates, leaves Islam, and he wants to go and join the Meccans, let him. We don't want people like that in our community who don't have faith, right? 
So let him go. We have nothing to lose. As for the mushrik who becomes Muslim and he comes to our lands and we have to send him back, let them be patient. Soon Allah will give us victory. So it's okay if they stay in Mecca for how much? A year because the conquest of Mecca happened the following year. So the Prophet says, look, it's not a loss for us. Think about it rationally. This truce is still good for us. We don't have a better option here and we don't want to fight. I'm, Allah has not sent me to just shed blood and fight. So the Prophet accepted this treaty. How do you feel about this condition? Yes. What do, you, what do you say about it? I know it's hard to accept because it's not fair, but the Prophet would act on behalf of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yes, of course. All of this we believe is by the guidance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So any thoughts about this particular condition? What's that brother? Yes, that's exactly where your faith is tested. Because the Muslims, honestly, they found this particular condition very difficult to accept. They openly objected to the Prophet. That is just not fair. They couldn't absorb it. They couldn't digest it. In any case, this was the fifth condition. The, second con the, the sixth condition, any Muslim who comes to Mecca just for pilgrimage, he has to be given safety. He can come, do his Umrah, do the Tawaf and leave. The Quraysh agreed. Number seven, any Meccan who passes by Medina on his way to other cities will be safe too. So we'll ask our Muslims not to attack any caravan that belongs to the Mushriks or to cut off their path. You're also free to pass by Medina. We agree to that. And finally, number eight, amongst many other conditions, but these are the main ones. No one can take up arms against each other. Don't raid each other. And everyone is to make the other side feel safe. The Muslims will make the Mushriks feel safe. The Mushriks will make the Muslims feel safe. Can we agree to that? They said yes. So these were the main terms of the agreement of Sulh al-Hudaybiyah. The Muslims, as you can tell, they despised this treaty. They hated it. They considered it as humiliation. These arrogant pagans of Mecca, they put these conditions on us. They block us from our Umrah this year. Look, you went all the way, you got there by Mecca and you're told, no, you can't do tawaf. It's, it's, it's heavy, it's difficult. We could teach you a lesson, we're gonna fight you. Muslims wanted to fight, but the Prophet had to calm them down. They objected. They said, Suhail, you're not being fair. He didn't budge. He said, I'm not gonna compromise. You're not entering Mecca this year unless you wanna go to war. I'm not going to compromise. The Prophet told Suhail, I agree to the terms of this treaty. Now we just have to write it in a document so it's official. They negotiated the terms, but for something to become law, you have to sign it into law. Now, before it was written, Umar ibn al-Khattab gets very angry and upset. And you know what he does? Bukhari mentions this, Sahih Muslim mentions this. These are Sunni sources. What does Umar do? He goes to the Prophet with audacity, with so much boldness, and he says, Ya Rasulallah, alasta nabiyyallahi haqqa? Aren't you a Prophet that Allah has sent? The Prophet said, yes. Umar said, aren't we on the haqq, the truth, 
and they, the pagans of Mecca, are on falsehood? The Prophet said yes. Then Omar said, isn't it the case that our dead are in heaven, those who get killed, the shuhada, they'll go to heaven, and their dead are in hell? The Prophet said yes. Then he said a very, very difficult statement. How is it that we're humiliated in our religion? How is it that we go back to Medina and Allah did not decide the matter between us and them? When you say something to the Prophet like that, it means you're doubting that he's the Prophet. You're accusing him of humiliating Islam, number one. Number two, he's saying, how can we go back before Allah decides on this matter? That means he's telling him, you're acting on your own. We want Allah to settle this, not you. How can you say that to Rasulullah? That's very disturbing. The Prophet ﷺ responded to him and he told him, Inni Abdullah, I am the servant of Allah. Wa Rasuluhu, I'm the messenger of Allah. Wa I'm not going to disobey him. And Allah will not leave me. He's going to give me victory. In other words, he was telling Umar that I am doing what Allah wants me to do. I'm not going to disobey him because of you. Then Omar doesn't drop it here. He continues. He tells him, but didn't you tell us that we're going to do tawaf around the Kaaba? You told us. Remember the dream the Prophet had in Medina? The Prophet said, yes, I told you, but did I tell you this year? I didn't tell you this year. I told you we will do tawaf, but I didn't tell you this year. Then the Prophet told him, you will enter Mecca and you will do tawaf. Don't worry. Omar still is raging, fuming here. He doesn't accept this answer from the Prophet. So he goes to Abu Bakr, impatient, and he says the same thing to Abu Bakr. Basically, what's going on? Aren't we on the haq? Why is he accepting to this humiliating treaty? And so Abu Bakr, according to these Sunni sources, has to calm him down. He tells him, no, calm down. He is a prophet and you have to be patient and the prophet is not going to disobey his Lord. And I bear witness that he's a messenger sent by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he told you, you will enter Mecca and you'll do the tawaf, believe in him. So Umar found this very difficult to accept. And Umar later on in his life, he admits that he had the greatest doubt of his life at Hudaybiyah. Umar ibn al-Khattab admits that. What does he say? He says, Wallahi ma shakaktu mundu aslamtu illa Since the day I became Muslim, I didn't really have any doubts except the day of Hudaybiyah. I really doubted what the Prophet did and I kept rejecting the words of the Prophet. These are Sunni sources, my dear brothers and sisters, not Shia sources. Abu Ubaidah ibn al-Jarrah, who follows the party of Umar and Abu Bakr, he tells Umar ibn al-Khattab, أَلَا تَسْمَعْ يَبْنَ الْخَطَّابِ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَهَلِهُ يَقُولُ مَا يَقُولُ Umar, what's the matter with you? Don't you see what the Prophet is saying? Shaitan is playing with your mind. Don't let the shaitan make you lose your faith. And then Umar also claims later that he tried to expiate for the sin of doubting. 
He basically claims that I did so many good deeds like sadaqah and prayers, so Allah forgives me for that day of doubting at Hudaybiyah. Now, I would like to present some observations here. We find this doubting from Umar very disturbing. Why? And we're trying to be, we're, we're being academic here, not emotional. Number one, my dear brothers and sisters, when you have such a major doubt about the Prophet, are you really a believer for, for the verse of Radwan to include you? Because the verse of Radwan, Surah Al-Fatih, verse 18, what does Allah state? لَقَدْ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ إِذْ يُبَايِعُونَكَ تَحْتَ الشَّجَرَةِ Remember we examined this last week, that Allah was pleased with the mu'mins, the believers. When you say this was my biggest doubt, I even doubt you're the Prophet. You're acting on your own. What you're doing is wrong. You're humiliating Islam. In those moments, when you have that type of makeup in your belief system, are you really a believer? I'm not going to say anything here. You do the judgment. So when he pledged allegiance, but his iman is the type where he's going to challenge the Prophet, and he accuses the Prophet of humiliating Islam, according to Bukhari and Muslim, are you then really a mu'min? I don't know. You make that assessment here. Number two, if Umar has such a major doubt, how can we trust that he's not going to have another doubt like that again? Why would I follow him and consider him the second Khalifa who represents the Prophet? If after Islam and after Badr and after the miracles and after the Quran and after a million miracles that he saw, he still doubted that the Prophet was a Prophet, why should I trust him? If you doubt such a major doubt once, you can doubt 10 more times, 20 more times. What gives me confidence to trust him, my dear brothers and sisters? What gives me confidence? If the Prophet is there living in front of him and he sees him and he talks to him and he doubts him, why do I need to trust him after the Prophet? What if he has other doubts? What if he has other major slips? How can I make him the representative of the Prophet who sits in the seat of the Prophet? Does that add up? Honestly, does that add up? That's, I'm, I'm being academic here, by the way. These are sources that are found in their books. We're not making up any of these sources. Now, my dear brothers and sisters, compare the doubt of Umar to the yaqeen and certainty of Ali ibn Abi Talib Umar says, never in my life have I doubted like that day. And Ali ibn Abi Talib states, Wallahi ma shakaktu fil Never have I doubted the truth since I've seen it. And in another, in another hadith, Imam Ali states, if the ghita, the veil would be removed from my eyes, my iman wouldn't increase. If Allah shows me heaven and hell right now, He shows me everything, my iman won't increase an ounce because I'm at the peak of the peak of iman. And they accuse us of being extremists and why you only follow Ali, 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 Ali. That's why. Why would I follow someone who has such major doubts? I can only trust Ali ibn Abi Talib alayhi salam.